listening to Nerds on Film with Roxy Nobert, Sean Moriarty, Gina Giovanetti, and Brian Moriarty. Uh, I'm super happy right now because we are all reunited. We are all back in the cave. Reunited and it feels so good. Oh, sorry. Uh. <laughs> Plus Vanessa. Oh, hey. hi. Hi, Vanessa. Oh, hi. Hey. Hat row praise. Here comes the bride. Uh, I know, we are so not soon. playing that. <laughs> two weeks away. It's crazy. Um, Ooh. So by the time this episode drops, it will be the week of the wedding. Ooh. Yeah. Heyo. Uh, and then, yeah. So. Y'all, I am Hide hyped. your running shoes. That's all I'm going to say. Hide your running shoes? That's all I'm going to say. Well, mm-hmm. Runaway groom? No, <laughs> runaway groom, yeah. Right? <laughs> no cold feet in this building. It's too damn hot. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's all oh, this stuff is happening. Like we got our suits in the uh, mail yesterday because twenty first century mm. we do things online now. We have our suits sent to God, us. God, so oh boxes. and it's amazing that that shit fits because I don't know how these Menguin people do <laughs> the sizing, but they just like the sizing thing is like. Would you say you're a husky guy or a skinny guy? Okay, good. What? Uh, how tall are you? All right. What do you weigh? Awesome. We'll send you a suit. Maybe it'll fit. Done. And it oh did. Well, because like men, like men sizing is so much more standardized. Like, okay, what's your inseam? Measure your waist or whatever. Women sizes are just like, all right. I have to do like a fucking rain dance. I can't eat for three days if I'm shopping for jeans. Oh no, like, I have sizes extra huh, huh. small to extra large in my closet. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Depending on the designer Man, all but they about... didn't they didn't even ask for my inseam or my waist because they, wow. they just asked your height and that's some weight. they body scanned that's, you through the internet you don't realize that's what i mean happened. the other alternative sean is what they did in the that episode of friends with joey oh where they your move taylor your, they move your yeah. dick is over. a bad man <laughs> no that is how they do it in prison <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so yeah, I feel like I was getting measured for a coffin, not a suit. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> that is so sad. Oh, man. It's like the opening of Back to the Future 3. Or at least the opening when Marty's in is in the past. Oh, man. Oh. What are you measuring for? Your coffin. Your coffin. Uh, yeah, Ooh, so we yeah. tried those on, and thankfully, they fit. I tried on the suit yesterday. Oh, my gosh. Brian. I suited up, which was surreal. I'd also had a lot of vodka, so I did. I, okay. The, any emotional tie to it was actually kind of numbnetized a, l- a, l- well, a little bit. Did yeah. you did you get to do? Did you look in the mirror and just pull like I'm getting married? Woo! <laughs> did you do like a tiny victory dance, a little shimmy? New. Oh, New. come this on! Is... You're gonna find do, Brian do you, and Vanessa you know since me, you're both like here. Me and dancing aren't usually in the same I, paragraph. I'm imagining I'm imagining Brian like in front of the mirror in the suit with like you know a drink or something. Just like this is my day. Everyone's gonna be looking <laughs> at me. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> everyone. <laughs> this is a Yeah, cr- but you know what, Brian? With the vodka, you're going to find that over the next couple of weeks, your self-medication cycle with alcohol is going to go from like a light ride into town to the Tour de France. That kind of cycling. <laughs> I mean, this is going to be our second Nerdonomy wedding. In two years. In two years. Uh, I'm wondering, my, my question is... That is, instead of weed gummy bears, are they going to be vodka gummy bears? <laughs> oh, no, we're going to bring a lot of weed gummy bears. You had, yes! you had weed gummy bears at your wedding? Well, Gina. not like out well, on a table. Gina. Gina. I don't know. I thought, Gina. I wasn't sure. Maybe it, it was... It was Sarah and I That was the candy bar. No, it was... 
I saw you had a bath bomb that y'all looked beautiful and that it was in Vegas. <laughs> I thought bath I thought, bomb was in recovery. I of thought the maybe it was just bear. progressive as fuck, and that's what you had as your favors, like out on the table. Like, hey, man, no, okay, no, no. what happens my, in Vegas stays. In like Vegas. my sister had Jordan almonds. Maybe you had like a tasteful little drawstring bag of like five weed gummy bears. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. I would have liked to pull off a super dirty version of like an, an Oprah episode where I was like, now if everybody looks underneath and looks into their buttholes, you'll find that you have a morphine suppository that we put in you last night. Wow. It's about to get weird. L'chaim <laughs> to life. Mazel tops. Anyway, Brian, that's so exciting. Two weeks, man. I know. You guys. Or one week. Because we're when in the future. Drops, yeah. 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 In the future. Ooh. Tear down that the future. Wall. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. Cool. Um, so I gotta ask you guys, because it's been mm-hmm. a minute since mm-hmm. we've all been in the same room. Mm-hmm. Uh what what have you guys been watching? A lot of porn. What about you? Yep. <laughs> uh, I'm real hyped because the second season of Glow on Netflix dropped. I just started that. Um, oh, it yes. did? Love yeah. it. Sweet. So good. Yes. Dude, Mark Maron can do no wrong. Right? Oh, my God. He's, he's so funny. He's such a fucking jack off <laughs> in that show. But, like, to the point where you don't hate him or, like, you hate him, but, like, he's still endearing. Oh, and, totally. like, I, I love it. It's such a fun show. Uh, spandex everywhere. Mm. It's great. So much Aquanet. Um, I was also like, I was also a little bit annoyed because I wanted to watch uh, Secretary the other night, but that's apparently not on Netflix. Uh, so, no. oh, is that your getting ready movie? Maybe. Is that your... Is that your I have it. Mm. Nice. It's good. I watched See, Vanessa, uh, Vanessa understands. Besides, <laughs> when Maggie Gyllenhaal soils herself, there's nothing sexier. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Besides the. Uh, <laughs> cartoon porn categories of Pornhub, I have been <laughs> watching a lot of Netflix, too. Um, I watched Set It Up, the new rom-com with uh, Zoe Dutch. Oh, right. Zoe yeah, Dutch. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. She's, um, what's her bucket's daughter from Back to the Future? Who's the the female? Leah... Thompson? Leah Thompson. Oh, okay. okay. Uh-huh. Atta girl. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, so she's, you know, rom-com royalty in that way. You know, I, I think in, uh, on second thought, these hand fans, they're not so much working as cooling as they are <laughs> convection, like roasting. Yeah. I, think, I think we'll actually be all be crispier when we walk out of this, this cave today. Somehow we are going to develop a tan. We're going to get yeah. nice and crispy in here. But yeah, no, Brian, set it up to your, your technique on the fanning, I can see it. it and is. all you're missing is a little house on the prairie dress. A porch and a large glass of lemonade. Just that sweet the child tea. Made. Sean, yeah. what I do in my free time when I'm by myself <laughs> is none of your damn business. Sean, okay. what you have you it been set watching? up at your house, like with a mat in the background and everything, like it's a movie set, and you just stand in front of it. We do a have a front porch light. now. We do have a front porch. Yes. Yeah. Sean, Sean, what have you been watching? Uh, yeah. So I've been so bad. I have been so busy with work that I haven't been able to actually get out and see a ton of movies. I, I still you. haven't seen Solo. I still haven't seen uh, Jurassic World, but that's not that bad because it only came out like a week ago. Mm. There's plenty of movies I haven't seen, so I've been, when I have time at night, I've been watching movies streaming, and I watched, I had never seen Pacific Rim. Oh, so oh. I watched Pacific neither have Rim. I. It's and it wasn't, as, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. It was right? actually really good. Guillermo del Toro did direct that after all, mm-hmm. and it is, I thought the story was really uh, original and really cool. Then I watched Pacific Rim Uprising. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, 
the action is much better, but the, the story's a little. But I, I'll watch John Boyega in anything. He was awesome in it. Cool. Sick. Right on. And Charlie Day. Oh my God. Oh, I love so Charlie if Day. you guys haven't, nobody here seen the first Pacific Rim? Oh, yeah. Oh, I have. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I have. Oh, you have. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, did you guys see the new one? No. no. Okay. So, you know when, uh, you know when Charlie, <laughs> I'm going to call him Charlie, mm. uh, drifts with the kaiju? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Like, so halfway through Pacific Rim Uprising, you find out that he's like kept the kaiju brain in a tank in his house. And it's essentially like drugs for him to fucking drift with it every day. And then it like take basically takes over his mind. He's helping make a whole drone program for this Chinese company. Hmm. But the drones all have like a little piece of like psychic kaiju brain running them. Uh -huh. So then the kaiju end up taking the, the, you know, whatever aliens they were. I forget what they were called. Uh, but the aliens that like sent the kaiju through the breach in Pacific in the Pacific Rim, they're essentially all in the drones and they take. So it's like kaiju robots versus robots. Mm, huh. That's sick. Interesting. It was actually not yeah. bad. I, it was. It kept me entertained the whole time. Um, I thought it was really cool. <gasps> oh, I forgot to mention that I also watched Coco finally. Oh, oh god. Yeah. I still need to see that. <laughs> we watched it again when it came out on Netflix. Yeah. Oh, so we good. definitely did, and still cried. You know, Sean, I'm definitely gonna check out Uprising now that I've heard your review. Thank you for that. Awesome. Yeah, it was entertaining. Don't expect, you know, we were not expecting life-shattering fucking originality here, but it is a worthy sequel. Good. What about uh, you, Brian? Uh, well, movie-wise, because we, we've been re-watching. It was funny. So, I usually tend to watch whatever Vanessa's watching, and uh, one night, on the recommendation to of our show, she decided <laughs> to put on an American tale. Oh, oh yes! So we, oh, yes. Because there's no cats in America, right? right? Yeah. And the streets um, are made with cheese. Fucking did you then lies. Did you then follow it with Five Will Goes West? Fucking yeah. lies. There are four. There's I four? There are four? I didn't realize there was any past there's, Five Will Goes West. There's, there's only two. Vanessa's <laughs> like, there's everyone calm down. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Just like there were only four Rocky movies, and then... There they was the one was where Creed. he fought really old, and then there was Creed. There was no Rocky Five. <laughs> Is it the one with because Milo? Rocky Five Vincent? has wonderful dialogue, like Tommy. I need you to move, yeah, you know, side to side a lot, like. Is uh, it the one with his son? White book? Rocky that's, by that, that, Balboa. Rocky like, Five is the one where his he trains the uh, upstart Tommy Gunn. All uh, yeah, Tommy Gunn, and then oh. gets all uh. corporate and evil and. Shit, and then Rocky Balboa is the one with his adult son, right? And Milo Ventimiglia, yeah, and that's yep. like the the comeback fight. That's like this whole speculative, yeah. Well, well the movie talk, opens up. The movie opens up with Polly fucking like made a bunch of shady investments with Rocky's entire fortune, and it's gone, and they have to move back to like the streets of Philadelphia. Oh, born yeah. and raised. <laughs> yeah, and by the way, your brain damage, you can never box again. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Wait, and then and then it's Creed, right? Creed is yes. the one after that. Okay. And, and yeah, but then this is what I don't Creed get. From, from 1990 to 2000 and what was it? 2004, 2005 when Rocky Balboa came out. Mm -hmm. Somehow his brain healed itself as he got older and so he could fight again. Huh. He's just that, you know, badass. He's, yeah, he's... well, I don't know about this new Creed fucking sequel because... It, it started out as one thing, Creed was great, and then <laughs> Sylvester Stallone said, you know what, the best Rocky movies are the ones that I wrote and directed, so I'm gonna write <laughs> and direct the next one. And guess what, he's gonna fight Drago's son. Mm. Oh my God, <laughs> who's still so, a, a yeah, sperm. Apollo's his... <laughs> son is gonna avenge his father's death. Oh God. <laughs> oh by fighting God. Drago, sounds who's great, Drago's son? Which you're gonna find out about halfway through the movie, 
Stylebuster Stallone's gonna unzip himself, and it's gonna be Dolph Lundgren. Oh my god! On the inside, and it's gonna be this beautiful met- metaphor for America. Oh, or right. or another, uh, it's gonna be the aliens from Men in Black. <laughs> but I'm expecting another like solving of the tension between us and Russia via a stupid speech by Rocky, oh my god. like he did in Rocky. The Ford. only if success- I could change. And you, you can change. change. <laughs> you can change. change. And then everybody oh just up uh, starts fucking clapping. And then like the, I forget was it who uh, who was leading Russia at the time? Who was the guy playing? Who played that guy? It was I'm not sure if it was their president there or their it was some kind of diplomat. Stands up slowly and starts clapping. He's the last one that hadn't quite been brought over you know what though the only like american russian diplomacy i'm interested in watching is zoya the destroyer and liberty bell <laughs> on glow <Okay>. zoya <laughs> in you soviet union only ballet is allowed no <laughs> dancing i like american dance <laughs> god it's so good yeah. and everyone in it is like super hot too yes. like damn what yeah. about you vanessa let's see uh we saw well, we, me and Brian, we saw uh, Jurassic World, obviously, from last episode. Yeah. Um, and, and I appreciated that see. shout out, Brian. Now all of our listeners think I'm like rendered shitless at the side of a Velociraptor. <laughs> it's the same thing they think about me and aliens. But so. that like, I'm no. I'm wearing a Velociraptor t-shirt today. Like, oh yeah, you would never yeah, do that. No, like Brian. it's like I had, I, I reacted to a jump scare when I was three and now it's just an anxious running joke. Gina's got but. a best friend for a, a therapist for a best yeah. friend. So exactly. Don't to worry. be fair, we joke about go. it together. This is fair. And I appreciate Easter episode. So exactly. <laughs> See, yeah. we did. Our yes. podcasts are actually group therapy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, Brian cut Vanessa, you, off, Vanessa. you need no, to no, be watching. Good. YouTube. You need to be going down vortexes on YouTube of wedding fail videos so that you can do research and find out what not to do because it's it's rough out there. Mm. Shit what can go mean? wrong. Trust me, I've been there. Like we've we're we're two weeks away. We, we everything's locked, dude. Like we can't make any changes. Yeah, but I'm point. saying Say like that now. watch just figure out who's walking out with the cake and make sure that they're you know have good coordination. <laughs> just lock me you know, away. Those, that's you what make about. sure, you know, yeah. uh, the best man doesn't drop the rings into the slats of the deck we're getting married on. <laughs> oh, God. Is that what you guys were thinking? But <laughs> you guys looking in the slats going, ah, shit. <laughs> Sean's an idiot. Bryce He's going to drop it on here. We and actually, finish. we're not doing a traditional cake. So Ooh. it's... We're going to have our cake on top, mm. and then it's going to be two tiers of cupcakes. All right! Yes. It'll, be, uh, it'll be a carrot cake cupcake based Ooh. off of the Plaza Inn carrot cake recipe from Disneyland. Oh, That sounds great. Aww. And then homemade funfetti. Oh, hell yes! Homemade I fucking funfetti. love funfetti. And then there'll be cookies. Ooh. Be cookies. Oh. Good, good. good. Yeah, I've been to a couple weddings I'm that they did like pies and cookies too instead of cake, and it was great. At least you guys didn't go full hipster and do the fucking donut towers. That's what no, I was worried about. No, I don't like donuts that much. How many mason jars are going to be at this wedding? Uh, I think zero. <laughs> yeah. Depends, My... on, depends on lens of being our floral arrangements. Okay. Because mm. we, yeah. we were looking at jars as our floral arrangements. I mean, I, I think it. that's like, it's economic. Like, mason then jar, I can use like, those mason, later. Yeah, mason jars are cheap as fuck. Like, I understand why people use them. Mm. Like, I get if they have a purpose. I just don't need like 
a mason jar with fuck nothing in it. That's God, not a Gina, decoration. I thought you were gonna say you say white people use them because I'm like that's sadly true. I mean, yeah, a lot of beautiful. Like, no, you know what? You, white you know, people you hipster in weddings in their mason jars. <laughs> you know what? You, you put mason jars. Them. You put spaghetti sauce in there. You pickle <laughs> vegetables in there. You can put your leftovers in there. You can bring soup to work in there. It's a multi-purpose for... receptacle. Gina, Gina and her mason jar rent. We <laughs> are. Yeah. We store our snacks in it. Our bourbon mules. God damn it! Listen, I like that as well, though. But I'm also and our band, which is based off of a like a Mumford and Sons cover (laughs) band. Oh no, it's a bluegrass band that exclusively does new wave covers. (laughs) Oh my god. Vanessa, have you seen anything else of mention? Um, well, we both Brian and I started watching uh, season two of Queer Eye. Ooh. Okay. And so. it literally took me about thirty six seconds into the first episode before I started crying. I oh, knew no. it. Whoa. <laughs> I was gonna say that was my next question. How long did it take Brian to start kvetching? Yeah. No. It was actually a very a very emotional episode for those who oh. don't know. Um, so one of the guys, Bobby, one of the the Fab Five, or the new one of the new Five Fab Five. Um, was raised very like strict religious mm. and he knew from a very young age that he was gay and he was actually a youth minister is in it the church. guy who looks like Jesus no, no that's, that's Jonathan, Jonathan. Oh, okay. Jonathan's amazing um, Jonathan Fitness Jonathan is beautiful and amazing uh, oh. can but, you believe I know uh, but Bobby uh, left the church in a very acrimonious way because basically when he came out he was basically told you he mm-hmm. was not welcomed back. Oh. And their first, so this is their first woman that they are making over. Nice. And she is an usher in this very small church, and she's a really like devout Christian, uh-huh. but very much in the modern sense of my job is to be a vessel of Jesus's love. Yes. No matter who and what you are. Oh, and, yes. and she had to come to that conclusion because her son is gay. And when her son came out to, him, to her like 10 years prior, they had a falling out. And then they came back they repaired their relationship Aww. so it parallels that because his her son doesn't want to go back because the, the whole thing is they're they're remodeling her house and they're remodeling the church for uh, their homecoming what's bobby's uh, specialty again he's the designer as in he's the oh, okay. uh like the the interior interior designer isn't the joke that so is this he a, does this is a whole work? new crew than the original <laughs> what this is a whole new cast. It's Correct. not the it's same guys. A whole new cast. Yeah. yeah well, so and I think the joke about Bobby, unfortunately, is that his part of the redesigning for everything is so profound, and all the other guys, their work is very like subtle. But his, like, he puts all. You know how like Anthony is obsessed with guacamole and avocados. Sure. Like Bobby's the one that puts in all the grunt work and like literally like builds houses for these people. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I mean that's true. He does a lot of like <sighs> manual labor, but yeah. at the same time. Like I think this group is, is amazing. Is a little more hands on than the last hands group. on, yeah. Because Jonathan is a hairstylist. Yeah. He's, he's actually cutting these people's he's hair. He's actually cutting these people's hair, and he's actually mm. involved in the styling process. Unlike Carson, who was just kind of like you mean Kyan. Sorry, Kyan, who was just kind of like he knew his grooming but I stuff. I love Kyan though. He's my favorite. Well, because yeah. I, I but he wasn't a he wasn't a hairdresser or anything. He was like a guy that wanted to be an actor and then didn't become an actor and then decided to study TV broadcasting. Uh, <laughs> this is different in that, like, it's not just the shtick of, like, oh, men don't know how to dress themselves. 
themselves, it's like they're genuinely trying to like life coach people yeah. now a little bit. That's and like literally in what one of the guys is. Though, okay. He's literally, like, yeah, Karamo is a life coach. Yeah, I he's think. literally a life coach. I and mean, he does, he pulls some crazy strings. He built a website for a guy. Oh, he's, that's cool. They made, they made a movie for one of the guys who proposed nice. to his girlfriend. That's awesome. Yeah, so oh my it's God, like, that's adorable. it's show because I feel terrible that I'm the only person here who hasn't seen any of the new episodes. I have, I know, I haven't, I haven't seen any of it either. I've just had all of my friends rave about it. What I think is really cool is like with the generation one of it, it was very much okay, we're going to expose the mainstream to gay culture Mm -hmm. because I think a lot of people have those misconceptions. And now it's less about that and more about understanding that gay culture is as diverse as mainstream culture. Mm -hmm. Well, what I am to understand about gay culture is they get together and they go out in a brainwashing cult sort of way to try Mm -hmm. to turn all our kids. Guy, <laughs> that's actually really funny because uh, the, the first guy they made over was like this total redneck. But he's oh my favorite my episode though. Yeah. Oh, the redneck. Oh, I, yeah. I was yes. gonna say though is um, because Jonathan Van Ness also has a podcast which he call it's called uh, Get Curious or something, yeah. and it's all he just meets with a bunch of experts in different fields and just talks about their field. Oh, that's and fun. And he has also had some of the boys on his podcast and one. Tan France, who's the fashion guy, he had him on, and he talks about um, being coming out a, a Muslim. Yeah, com- being a, a, oh, wow. a man of color who is gay and who is a Muslim, mm-hmm. and about how his family at first really didn't want to watch the show because they weren't really sure what it was about. They thought it was like, it's called Queer Eye, so it's like a gay conversion program where they're just going around the country trying to make people gay. And then to the eye. (laughs) But then they came around when they, they, curiosity got the better of them and they watched the show and they're like, oh no, they, I think he, he had said, he's like, I think my family was afraid that they would see me in my own life that they didn't really know anything about and assumed that I was a different person. Mm-hmm. But then they watch the show and they're like, oh, you're exactly the same as yeah. we know you. You just are now helping I just people. Got this image. Yeah. You were just talking, babe, and I just got this image of the whole thinking like it was like the screen slaver basically saying you know like uh, you now like people with the same parts as you oh my god <laughs> you goddamn yeah. genius That's a solid and segue on that <laughs> note nice. ladies and gentlemen welcome to nerds on film i'm brian moriarty i'm gina giovanetti i'm roxy noberry and i'm sean moriarty and of course in the cave is the future mrs brian moriarty the future. <laughs> she is my future wife. <laughs> Together, Vanessa Alvarez. Forever. In unity. Yeah. I'm just adding his last name that, onto mine. There you, are you going to hyphenate? That, oh, no, I'm not hyphenating. I'm just going to have two last names. Right. Oh, that's cool. I like it. It's very Mexican of me. Very Mexican. <laughs> and you can now... She you have to have at least 13 na- names is the goal, right? Yeah. Well, now her name monogrammed will be an acronym. So you can call her BAM if you wanted to. <gasps> and it would totally work. BAM! Or VRAM, if you want to go with her middle initial as well. That's crazy. My wife already had two middle names, so Brian will both have wives with four names. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Very cool. The order of the four names will now sacrifice. (laughs) Well, Sean was smart. Uh, Go for Sean, not that you're a practicing Catholic anymore, but what was your confirmation name that you took? Uh, I think it was... um, Shit, I can't remember. <laughs> Beelzebub. Was it Balthazar? Yes. Ezekiel. Balthazar. Michael? Possibly? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, so I think my Saint dad. Michael. So Sean and I being No, I might have dumb. taken. I thought I took Papa's, one of Papa's names. 
Possibly. I took my own middle name as my confirmation Oh, mine name. was my middle name, too. So, I technically, if you because want to go, like, already. old school, my old school Christian name is Brian Patrick Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Patrick Patrick, get over here. <laughs> Brian Patrick Patrick. Yeah. I didn't, yeah, no, I picked my middle name, too, because my middle name's Elizabeth, and it was also my grandmother's name, so I'm like, yeah, that's cool, like, yeah. Nice. I just, I, my, my sister's name is, one of my sisters is Teresa, so she just used that. My youngest sister actually, like, picked a cool one. She picked Faustina, which was dope. But, Whoa! Yeah. Faustina! But then my, my, me and my sister Teresa were like, meh, we're just gonna write this one down. Donna would, like, Donna actually did research and was like, I'm gonna pick this one, and it sounds dope. So, (laughs) I guess I could technically say that my Persian name, because it's popular in Persian culture for like American Iranian kids to have a traditional Persian name as well as like an Americanized name. My name, my full name is Roxana, and that's technically like traditional Persian, but it could also be traditional American too, because there's a Mm -hmm. lot of girls I know named Roxanne, but I just go by Roxy. So. Roxy Roxy. Roxanne, I feel like that would be a wrestling name. Like it, it? Roxana. Yeah. Roxana Nobody. Roxana. Yeah. Roxana. There you, go. Yeah. you don't have to put um. on that burka tonight. You don't have to stay on it to the night. I can't oh, no. say very well. Oh, he sounded like them. South Park Jennifer Lopez right uh, there. Yes. Jennifer Lopez. for my bean. So let's get to the main topic because yes. uh, you had all... such a great segue. Right? I know. I know. And then, we and then it fell it. off the rails. Twenty-five Sorry. minutes in. Surname nonsense. Seriously. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I can cut this whole four minutes out. Don't do it. Don't you dare. <laughs> So we are here to talk about Incredibles 2. Woo! Yes. So much fun. I know we've been kind of inconsistent with our scheduling of reviews. Sometimes we do it like the weekend of and have it out the next day. And this time we're like, eh. I don't, I think, I think it depends also on people's level of like how touchy about spoilers they are too. Right. Cause like I listened to your Jurassic World episode because I like did not give a shit about spoilers on that one. Me neither. But like a lot of people would probably be a little bit more hard up to listen to like the Infinity War episode if they yeah. hadn't seen well, it. Well, Gina, so. we should have spoiled Deadpool 2 for you into your I, face. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, because again, like I knew what up. you were doing. I did not give a shit. You consented so. to our <laughs> Damn. Hardcore. <laughs> yeah. Hardcore, so hardcore. by the time this drops, it'll be been out for a few weeks. I think yeah. everyone would have seen it by now. So yeah, you know the rules. Everyone uh, would have cried at Bow already. Exactly. Oh, oh yes. My God. So I was kind of bummed that people are upset with that movie. The controversy is stupid. It's so stupid. Like wait, I, they, wait, they didn't understand Incredibles or they didn't understand Bow. They didn't they understand, understand Bow. Okay. And like, is it just me? But like, I feel like if you're practicing empathy and practicing like basic human skills like it's a universal story yes it's yeah. a little weird that the dumpling comes to life but it's just when you realize when oh, you... that it's her just imagining it's a storytelling tool son. yeah like that that's... shit was amazing i it loved was so that short sweet. people thought that the mom was a man though they couldn't they didn't understand the actual animation style that's <laughs> dumb though because people it was confusing def- well, because people are stupid yeah and she was wearing ear- stud earrings i mean I it could i mean you know 21st century i know that's, exactly. that's very hard but to... no but like it was way that's cute another stupid uh, critique though exactly i just you I... know how you could tell she was the chick she was in the kitchen <laughs> that's how you know 
God, <laughs> that's so fucked up. I'm sorry, but that's like probably the, the reaction of certain people. <laughs> but yeah, no, but like I, I thought it was so sweet and so cute. And then like I did like that it had that little twist in it that like, oh no, this was you know it's the metaphor and everything. Yep. And I thought like the scene at the end when they all reconcile and like they're trying to teach his like new white fiance how to make the dumplings and she's it was, like a she pro and it. she she does it amazingly and meanwhile he's there like fucking it up like i thought that was really cute yeah i, I loved mean, it i could i definitely connected to it coming from a, a family of like first generation immigrant mm-hmm. stuff and like i could totally see like my mom trying to challenge my future mate at like making a shish kebab or something some sort of like (laughs) ethnic related dish and like him failing at it but her like unconditional love being the generational sort of transmission object if if you want to put it that far from like a Mm -hmm. like a family Mm -hmm. perspective which is what it is like food connects the generations no matter what culture you're from that's a really good point very true that's that's the heart of the story so i definitely i want to know how to make kebabs right mine suck (laughs) could you do like a video or something on youtube on how to make Make actual kebabs so i can make them right (laughs) roxy make us kebabs you guys should just come to vancouver with me we'll go camp with my grandma i need to know the it's all like i know i know the right parts about it you put the stick in the meat you put it on the grill but i need like the marinating and the spice combos is what i need you know what though you also need like 50 plus years of experience and blood, sweat, and tears, and like the cultural, like just experience of making that food. Cause like that ah. generation, obviously, like my grandmother, I mean, she knows it by heart because she puts her heart in the food. The secret yeah. ingredient yeah. is always her heart in that way. You know, it's like soul. I, I know that that grill is, or is hot enough already, mm-hmm. and I know turn it over it's done like you, you don't take... need measurements yeah. you just yeah. need like a dash of this and a pinch of that and, and she literally will do it and it comes out perfect it's also that thing where it's just like you can follow a recipe exactly but it's not going to taste the same because it's like but like grandma didn't make this exactly. yeah. oh yeah exactly you need yeah you, you, it, that's exactly it no yeah. one makes rice like my grandma like mm-hmm. yeah. no one can do it no. yeah exactly totally. oh how nice for all of you with your alive grandmothers <laughs> my grandmother Brian with the rice is not alive sean <laughs> well, that's <laughs> the importance though of passing it down to the next generation yeah yeah so it's up uh, to you guys it was so yeah. sweet but launching into the movie from there definitely a little bit different like Ever since the Disney acquisition, they've done this thing where Pixar will change the castle mm. for whatever movie they're watching. Oh yeah, the intro. And right. they definitely did that this time. And they even changed the Pixar opening yeah. to be the color scheme of the of the Incredibles, yeah. which I was kind of. Was it hokey? I didn't feel. Yo, it was Brian hokey. don't like, like nobody messing with that Pixar logo. Yeah, different. they didn't do it for Toco. They they, they only well, they Toco? did the castle for Coco, but they didn't do okay. they didn't change the Luxo opening. No, they didn't um, for yeah. Coco. But what I love is that the movie literally takes place right after. Right after, the first yeah. One. They don't fuck around. No, they don't. And I love that the, it's the opening of the interrogation yeah. with yeah. the kid, the, the, the potential boyfriend of Violet. Tony. Oh, Tony. Tony. Um, Which and was what I thought was Michael. cool with that oh. opening was at the end of The Incredibles, I was like, oh, I see how they end on this and then we'll never see what happens because this villain is ridiculous and Lord knows what he could actually do. And then they showed you what the Underminer could do. And I was yeah. like, oh. Yeah. Um, actually, actually, that pretty good. I thought that was good. I thought it's great that they gave Ratzenberger more to do mm-hmm. uh, instead of his quick cameo. Um, but I also thought that it was weird because to me it felt like it was a little bit, a little bit of a retcon with what they did with Jack Jack. But then I realized that again upon watching The Incredibles again, when 
you discover in the first Incredibles that Jack Jack has powers. The parents don't see it. No, it's only it is is syndrome the, and the babysitter. And the babysitter, mm-hmm. Kari. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't realize that. I thought the parents were able to see everything that yeah. was going on from up in the air. And mm-hmm. I guess not. Yeah. Um, and That's really far, and, yeah, Brian. They were on the ground. Human <laughs> as he starts to fall. Yeah. So. Fuck. Yeah. So I thought that was... But also, I mean, I think Jack-Jack stole the movie. Yes, he did. I think one raccoon of the fight. The raccoon fight is the, the best <laughs> thing of the whole thing. I think one of the one of the main criticisms I've seen about the film is that the first one seemed so balanced between the whole family. Meanwhile, you did have a lot of focus. You like Dash and Violet kind of got the shaft a little bit in this one, and then there was a lot of focus on Helen and Bob, and then a lot of focus on Jack Jack. And like, but I. I get that that's a criticism, but it's also but it's also one of those where like I can see both sides of the coin where like we do want to see more Jack Jack because we only kind of got to scratch the surface of that and now it's the family kind of working together to understand his powers and everything as well as kind of like navigate a kind of new um social structure, I guess for lack of a better term that 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 they're that they're in where Bob is at home and Mm -hmm. Helen is out Mm -hmm. exactly um yeah and that that didn't bother me and I can see some of the criticisms of because one of our friends said hey you don't need to see Incredibles 1 to see Incredibles 2 because it's the same movie that's a huge criticism and I can see that as far as the the there is a plot structure that is similar in that one parent has to go away and mm-hmm. finds out that they're serving the bad guy and the other parent has to come and rescue them with the kids. Mm-hmm. So yes, that those main plot points are fairly... But what about, you know, the whole thing about heroes being shunned once again and no, then a whole secret that... organization bringing totally. them back into the limelight. Their, you know, secret organization being discovered for being, you know, a cover for another thing. No, it it the... was a reimagining of the same plot. I mean, I but... mean so, yeah. but I think the more the, the character-driven elements of the plot were were definitely more original and mm-hmm. that you know we're we are it is there i didn't feel like we were seeing the same characters again i no. do feel like there was a character expansion for how helen is choosing to deal with things how bob is coming to grips mm-hmm. with not being the main breadwinner why did they change math right mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, and yeah. you know i just i i thought that was more a little more interesting okay can, can i we, yeah go ahead sorry uh, yeah go ahead, i was gonna say i i I think that they, it was a true sequel in that it was definitely more action-driven. They spent more money on this movie than they did the last one. The last one was more challenging and more um, groundbreaking, I think, because they hadn't done a movie that was all CGI cartoon humans. It was all either, you know, they did bugs, they did toys. This one, it looks like they focused a lot more on the action, which might have left less time for the character development that you feel like was lacking with certain characters. Uh, but... I, it was also, you could tell that it was shot specifically for 3D because I saw it in 2D and was like, maybe I should have seen this one in 3D because they did a lot of really cool shit with the action scenes. So, yeah, a lot of the shots, particularly with Boyd. One Her of the, powers would have been really cool to see in 3D. Yeah. I, I didn't see it in 3D, but um, spur of the moment, my boyfriend and I decided to go see it and our local theater has like upgraded where you have to like choose your seat in advance mm-hmm. and everything. And by the time we got there, the only seats that they had left where we could have sat together um, were those like D-Box 
seats. Oh, yeah. Um, so we didn't see it in 3D, but we saw it in kind of like when you go to one of those like 4D kind of shows at mm-hmm. Disneyland mm-hmm. where like the seat moves EO. and stuff. Cool. Um, Captain EO Yeah, seats. very, very Captain oh, EO-y. Captain EO. So yeah, it was like it was like going to one of those without the 3D glasses. And like, it's a little bit pricey, so it's not something I'd want to do for everything. But it was actually mm. a like, I didn't want to enjoy it because I had paid x amount of money for it but as it went on i was like okay fine god damn it it's cool um but it was it was it was a lot of fun and then the one thing though was like every so often the seat would kind of clunk a little bit and i was like well what the fuck is this there's nothing happening right now and my boyfriend pointed out after he was like i think that's to prevent you from falling asleep because these are they're like the luxury recliners and it's very easy to fall asleep in them. And so every so often, I think they, like, during the slow parts of the movie, the seat will jiggle a little <laughs> bit just to make sure that you're still fucking awake. Oh my. Yeah, and, and that's a really weird experience. I mean, there are some places that even will take it to one level more where, like, if there's rain, it'll, like, mist in the theater. Or if oh, it's, wow. like, yeah. Damn. Yeah, like, they'll, they'll go, like, full... Kind of like, you know, soaring over California or soaring over the world where like, yeah. the pump smells in the room and all that yeah. shit. Yeah. Like I said, I thought it was I thought it was fun to do once. And, you know, because it was this Disney movie, it fit very well. But it's not like something I'd want to go see do, okay. and do all the time either. So here's my critique that I had an issue with that I I didn't feel like the tone of this movie was... I don't feel like it kept the spirit of the first one, which I was looking forward to. I felt like the tone was more appropriate to adults, and I felt like the villain was more of a intellectual villain and less of a family-friendly, straightforward... Okay, can we just, like, break down Evelyn? Because I had a really hard time kind of feeling comfortable with her character. My, my issue... Voiced by, by uh, Diane... Or, what's her name? Catherine, Catherine Keener. Catherine Keener. Yeah, because... Yeah, okay, I liked how she, you know, kind of manipulated screenslaver. I get all of that. But I felt that there was just too much dead space whenever she was on screen, and I didn't like her the same way that I would have, um, like, the previous villain. Who was the... Syndrome. 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 I think Syndrome's character had a much more, I guess, understandable backstory and motivation and then Evelyn of course she had a whole you know backstory and motivation with her father's death and all of that like I got that but I thought that was not very kid friendly and much more suited for like adult animation films this well that's movie, most of the audience that was getting psyched for this movie there's no just, kids that were alive when it was out 14 years ago yeah but when it was out 14 years ago like the whole family could enjoy it yeah. I really feel like the adults that grew up with The Incredibles probably enjoyed this one, like us. I saw a bunch of kids that enjoyed it. They especially all the Jack Jack parts. It's all you need to keep the kids. Maybe 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 it makes more sense that like my my inner child might have like didn't yeah. enjoy it as much That's as I fair. thought. Well, it, it is interesting. It's been fourteen years, right? You know? So you yep. were sixteen when the first one came out. Yeah, fourteen years ago. I just turned twenty nine. For you would have been fourteen or fifteen. Yeah. Yeah. I so. A so it is kind of interesting because you are seeing it from an adolescent to now seeing it as an adult, yeah. there is a definite 
perception shift. I just, I don't know. Too. I thought it was a little too dark, a little too gloomy, and way too intellectual. There was way too much She dialogue. definitely had a different kind of tone to her. Mm-hmm. Like, Syndrome was very, like, well, his, he was very theatrical and very fanatic. He was a fanatic. I mean, that yeah, was yeah. his backstory. Was he's, he's a super fan, so he had this very excitable kind of um, tone to him while well, yeah. Evelyn was very, like, aloof, like, yeah. from the beginning. Yeah. Like, just as opposed like a, to her brother. Jason Lee out. knows no subtlety either, yeah. so Jason Lee is <laughs> just a cartoon. I don't yeah. want subtlety like that in my Pixar villains. I want flash. I want excitability. I want... Um, uh, uh, spectacle. Yeah. Well, I also, what I like about Syndrome is his origin story was visual. Yeah. Like when he's monologuing about how he was broken by not, by being rejected by Incredible, there's this brilliant scene where he's angrily ripping down mm-hmm. all of his, his Mr. Incredible posters mm-hmm. as this angry little child. That would have been great to see young her. We didn't have that from her. Yeah. So she came off more of like a sociopath than right. a hurt child. Syndrome at least came off as a hurt child. I mean, right. he eventually became a, I, became a sociopath. They're both sociopaths for all intents and purposes. Right. I like but she, she had less of a pathos. reason for me to care about her. Yeah. I My thing with two was like, I feel like for me, Evelyn was a very predictable villain as mm-hmm. well because like, I don't know, like, you could tell, like, I could tell it wasn't Bob Odenkirk. Like, it wasn't that character. And, see, and that's it. Like, the, you know, we say, like, I can't even remember the name of Bob Odenkirk's character right now. Because it Uh, looks like Bob Because it looks like Bob Odenkirk. Saul. Um, But, like, I... (laughs) Saul. Like... Very like very quickly after Evelyn as a character was introduced, mm-hmm. I turned to my boyfriend and I was like, "I'll bet it's her." Yeah. Like I I could very like even at like like Roxy was saying she was a very kind of more of a cerebral villain, but watching this as an adult, I felt that Evelyn was a very predictable villain. Yeah. Meanwhile, like I think Syndrome is less of a predictable villain because, you know, you kind of get that mysterious island, there's Mirage, you get this very James Bondy feel, mm-hmm. and then you have fucking, you know, Heat Miser walking out. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> and so, like, that's that's a little bit more of, that's a little bit more of, like, a, oh, yeah. oh my god, really? Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things I like about The Incredibles anyway, like, as a series, is, like, I feel like The Incredibles is the best Watchmen movie we're ever gonna have. Oh, so. I, she said it. She said it, not me. She said it. I fucking thing. love Watchmen. You watch your mouth. I mean, I, I didn't well, dislike it. I think The Incredibles is a better Watchmen movie than the Watchmen movie. I Zack actually, Snyder can fight me. I, I think, well, Kevin Smith put it really great, and I agree with it whole, full, uh, wholeheartedly, I should say. The Incredibles is the best Fantastic Four movie. That's, yeah, that's true. That's true, too. And it's true, because they've, really, if you think about it, like... All they did is do some gender swapping. Yep. And yeah. Um, yeah. So Dash doesn't set on fire, but he's got the same kind of Jack Jack does. Personality. <laughs> Jack does. Well, but Jack, that's even more brilliant. You could tell they're fans because in the comic books, Sue Richards and Reed Richards' son, Franklin, is this polymorphic mutant. Nice. He has yeah. like all these crazy powers. Good homage. Huh? It's, it's a great homage. That's fine. Yeah. So I guess I don't know. And and there there are elements to the Incredibles that I don't get from other Pixar films, um, such as the sort of ominous dark tones. Um, I'm not gonna lie. I was very creeped out from that scene where um, uh, Elastigirl first becomes mind controlled, and yeah. you see the goggles, and it mm-hmm. was very menacing. 
And I was kind of disturbed a little bit. I'm going, the kids are watching this. This is creeping me out. Like, holy shit. Yeah. To be fair, I have pretty, pretty overactive imagination. I mean, I'm a kid who was had nightmares about Maleficent hiding under my bed and pulling me <laughs> under a gremlin style. Yeah. Like, I, I get creeped out easily. Maybe they'll put the screens down. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. But yeah. One of my favorite moments... It was when Jack Jack runs for his mom, yeah. realizes that something's wrong, and he just like goes, mm, he like he squinches his eyes, and then apparently he's telekinetic now too, and he like lifts the glasses off. Oh, of he's her. like, there's yep. something wrong with mom. She doesn't wear those. Yeah. Yeah. Take them off. So I want to see your face. That was the only I want to say grace of this film for me, Jack Jack. I swear through mm-hmm. and through, even Edna Mode. Like I got. Oh my god, Edna I Mode. love that. Edna Mode has a costume made by Gabachi. <laughs> So Edna Mode and, and Jack Jack were definitely my favorite themes of the whole movie. Yeah. yeah. Themes as in like their through lines. Sorry. I am kicking myself for not getting that Edna Mode bag that yeah. was in Disneyland when it we went. Edna Dooney and Burke they, one? they have it's not a Dooney and Burke, it's just they had like a tote that had Ooh. mode on it. Ooh. They had it on a bunch of stuff. Oh, and mustn't be afraid it. to buy the bag, darling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And do come back. We do enjoy. I do love these visits. <laughs> Um, yeah, but Jack Jack, man. I, I mean, talk about a great, great showing of, of him coming to be. Yeah. You know? yeah. And I love, yeah, I just love the bit where he, when he morphs half into Edna with the, with the hair and the nose yeah. and everything. Well, and then, and then just like, and then she just like falls in love and she's like ushering Bob out. She's like, okay, bye. You can yeah. come back tomorrow or whatever. And then like, I, my favorite was when he comes back and they're walking down the hall and Edna, you know, is, is in her little pose and it pans over to Jack-Jack and he has the lollipop out there in that same very sophisticated <laughs> pose. And like, I love that so much because he, and you know, that really, it's, it's a very, it's a good consistency in the fact that like he is, he, he can mimic yeah. as well as he has all of these other powers that we don't necessarily fully understand and right. I think one of the other saving graces of this that I really enjoyed was yes we have a story that we've seen before where mom is becoming the breadwinner of the family and dad is is at home with the kids but it's what Mr. I Mr. Mom with superpowers right yeah. but what I really liked about it was that they didn't like Bob got tired and was oh, yeah. and was grappling with things, but it, he wasn't like incompetent. Mm-hmm. Like we saw him trying to solve issues with Violet and Tony. We see we see him stay up late at night and solve the the math problem. He's oh, able God. to provide dinner for his kids. Yeah. It's not like you know, oh no, like Dad can't cook. Yeah. What's in oven? Yeah. Oh, we have things in the fridge that are edible. <laughs> da, 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 da. Like it wasn't in like it wasn't. What our child? Right. It was. It wasn't like incompetent, yeah. absent until this point, dad no. syndrome, which I yeah. I enjoyed because it's just like, because it, like I think it is a discredit to a lot of men out there who do fill that role and who do either work from home or stay with the kids. And you know, I think there's there was a line in there where Bob said, "What am I substitute parent?" Mm-hmm. And I thought that was actually a very profound thing in that, like, yeah, sometimes when there's a parent that's out and about a little bit more, yes, the kids. Start to rely on the primary parent and oftentimes we as a society figure that primary parent is mom and we think yeah. oh dad is incompetent but he wasn't in this and I thought that was done in a very graceful way it's true and yeah. even and they could have very easily gone down that route they really could have like when he goes to the happy platter <laughs> that's very clearly a tactic he's playing it's not because <laughs> oh I made I don't know how to make dinner right hook his daughter up with right. the boy this is, exactly. be, this is because Tony works at the he's happy like, platter he doesn't always throw a water out I don't know, like, like, this water is this mineral water? 
that's no, good. I'm pretty sure it's tap. tap. Well, at the same time, so good. it's. <laughs> I, I like that because it was it was very like dad jokey, yeah. but it wasn't incompetent dad. No, you feel? Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's clearly been in their lives before, just not in this capacity. Right. And it's it's just like anyone had Helen been. Uh, were at work all the time and then had to get thrown into whatever the rhythm was set by Bob she has to learn that rhythm right. or they have to write the ship so it's a rhythm that will work for everyone now mm-hmm. so yeah it's you know, it's interesting. really appreciating mm-hmm. about movies like this and Pixar basically lately is that they've been showcasing a lot of intact families um, and you know how the old trope was at least one parent had to be dead to motivate this character into action, mm-hmm. right? And now you have these characters being motivated into action that are external circumstances that are challenging their senses of self, right? Like, it's not just, I lost something. It's more like, I lost myself. Or I have to, like, identify myself um, outside of my family system. You know, even though my family system is technically nothing wrong with it, you know, like look at Coco, right? Like the, that, you know, he had his whole family. If anything, he had a lot of family. <laughs> um, and he goes back to, you know, learn how to honor that family. Mm-hmm. And I think the Incredibles too did a really great job at honoring that family system and just showcasing how strong they are despite all of these, you know, external challenges. Like that conversation that they first have when um, uh, Elastigirl is, you know, propositioned like hey do you want this opportunity and they're like sitting in bed talking about it right <laughs> obviously mr incredible's pride has been hurt like mm-hmm. he's like hey like i think he'll do a great job like he <laughs> wants to go but he obviously will support no matter what yeah because he trusts her and they trust each other and he even has that moment in his monologue when he has his complete like breakdown yeah he even says i'm mr incredible <laughs> right like he can't and he, and he has to be incredible at everything he yeah. can't just be an incredible superhero exactly yeah. and I, I thought that was cool I actually liked the growth that these characters had in this movie like I uh, e- even as a hero he learns and well Frozone too but like mm-hmm. he learns to, like how to save the day without racking up at millions of dollars of insurance oh my <laughs> god too, right? right insurance not going to cover everything right um <laughs> So, like, mm. I thought it, maybe there wasn't as much screen time to show those elements mm-hmm. as there was in the last one. And I'll give you that. But I still felt like it was there. And yeah. I I very much enjoyed it. But I also totally see your points yeah. as well. And no movie's ever going to be perfect, right? I was, so. just, I was just a little let down. That's yeah. fair. I did really love being able to see Elastigirl able to shine, too. Oh. Because, um, mm-hmm. you know, for a lot of the first one, we really did see a lot of Bob going back and doing the superhero thing and being really into it. But then, you know, when she's in the hotel room and she calls and she's like so excited and she's just like, oh, like I stopped a runaway train and mm-hmm. she's so excited about it. Like it's I, I liked seeing her able to shine a little bit, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. I will say, though, that remember in the first Incredibles when she rescues the kids and they have to go all the way back and she's oh, the yeah. boat and, and uh, yeah, dashes the engine. That's good. That yeah. was ingenuity. Like talking about family working together. Yeah. <laughs> totally. They didn't do anything like that in this one. That would kind of let me down. I think it was funny because when you were talking about the uh, the ambassador, uh, you were oh. saying she could tell right away it was without even knowing it was, that it was Isabella Rossellini. Oh, totally. Voice. No, no. That yeah. accent. It's, it's iconic. It's like, <laughs> ah, it's Isabella Rossellini. Right. <laughs> yeah. It was most, uh, same thing with uh, Keener, all, all the voices. Yeah. I think when I first saw the first Incredibles, when they're just doing the newsreel interviews, and I'm like, that's Holly Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> or like even Sophia Bush as Void. 
Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. Like, they even made her like character look like her. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, Odenkirk, the same thing. I was just yeah. like, that's Odenkirk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Winston was his Winston name. Winston. That's right. Yeah. Isn't that interesting though? That that's where things are going. Instead of just us being the voice acting talent to color mm. that character, they now start to make the character look a little bit. So mm-hmm. good. Like, I think with the exception of that are the actual Incredibles because Craig T. Nelson looks nothing like Bob no. Carr. No. Uh, no. And Helen looks nothing like Helen. Well, uh, the nose a little bit. Yeah. 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 I, I can also see how making Winston look like Bob Odenkirk would be to their advantage because that's, that's just how they want him to look. There's that mm-hmm. certain level of charismatic and the way that the face looks and everything where it's just like, well, you know, we might as well just make him look like Bob Odenkirk. And too. then there's Brad Bird as Edna Mode. As Edna Mode. <laughs> You're like, all right. Uh, which I am just so, so good and so happy that he, like, that he, they gave Edna even more to do. Like, I don't understand, like, it's his movie, but, like, I like that they were able to, they know, when they know something works, just to, like, run with it. Mm-hmm. Lean into it. Lean into it, exactly. And I'm super, I'm just pumped for Brad Bird's career in general because he mm-hmm. has clearly shown that he can do live action and animation. And eh, Tomorrowland is up for debate, but but Mission Impossible f- was it four or five? I can't remember. What, 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 he did one of the live action Mission Impossible movies, and that one was really good. Eh, Sean, like do you remember which one it was? Can you Google it real quick? Google that really quick. Yeah. Consult the Google. Yeah. Is it a Ghost yeah. Recall or whatever? Googleizer. I thought it was Ghost Recall. That was mm-hmm. um. So the yeah the one that just came before the one that came out. Interesting. Um. Actually, Vanessa has a Wait, what are you saying? Which, Which of the Mission Impossible movies did he do? I don't see it. There's not Ghost... It's Ghost Protocol ghost that you're Protocol. thinking. Ghost Protocol, sorry. Not, not Total Ghost Recall. Oh, he yeah, I was like, are yeah. you talking about Tom Clancy oh, video games? Or? Oh, sorry. Sorry, my bad. Sorry. Yeah, Ghost Protocol, yeah. So, 20... Yep. So, the last one. Um, and he did Jurassic World. Brad oh. Bird? Mm-hmm. I thought Kellen... No, I thought Colin Trevorrow did... Oh no, he was a voice actor. Never he was mind. a voice actor. Uh, yeah. Okay. Sorry, he was just listed in the credits. And I didn't hate Tomorrowland. It wasn't until really like Hugh Laurie's heavy-handed speech at the end that I was oh. like, oh okay. I well, didn't. I, also I didn't feel see like it. It was a movie that was very hard to market. Yeah. Mar- uh, because like when we when we saw it, I think we watched it at home one night, didn't we? Possibly. Yeah. And I was like, I was. I, was I saw thinking, it at theaters. I I Me was too. yeah. I was on board when I saw it. Anyway. So. Yeah. Uh, should we get to feedback? Let's do it. Yeah. Yes. Wait a Listener feedback. Yeah. We actually have a couple pieces of feedback. Ask and oh, yeah. you shall receive. Get in. We got some really fantastic feedback from our uh, animated VCR episode here. <gasps> yeah. Can I uh, read? Uh, do you want to read that one? I commented on that. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um. Sorry, really, what did you guys read or not read for... Oh, no, we you, didn't were, you didn't read any. Time. Okay. Nope. We saved it. How far have we gone back to? So, Ellie... Everything after... I think nothing in June. So if you have any feedback in June, we should read it. Okay. Actual feedback for once uh, from Ellie? I have... Yeah, I have the... Yeah, we have... I have the... I think we have that one from Ellie onwards. Okay. Okay. Well, okay. So first one is we have one from... Uh, our dear super fan, uh, Ellie. Sean's daughter. Sean's time Sean's daughter. daughter. <laughs> and subject is actual feedback for once. Oh my gosh. Buckle in. Sweet God. You're not just like, 
blowing smoke up our asses mm-hmm. or bagging on Sean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a Christmas miracle. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's my Christmas favorite. Christmas in July. <laughs> Christmas in July. Yes, uh. indeed. Uh, so her message reads, hello, everyone. Gina actually hit the nail on the head with the margarita mailbag. I am approaching finals terrifyingly soon, but when summer hits, Sean better be prepared. I had quite a bit of feedback for said episode. I'm going to have to bullet point this, so strap in. Number one, it seems like you guys forgot to use the word Akbar because Jesus Christ, Dad. <laughs> the Trade Federation, Bill Cosby, blackface, damn. Yeah. And I mean that in the sense that you are damned. But yep. I also feel like you already know that. <laughs> yes, uh, I do. As for discussion about Sean's tallness, 6'6 six, six is nothing. I live in a community of Dutch immigrants. <laughs> to give you some context, my friend, who is also 15, is 6'8 and is still growing. Oh, dear God. Uh, oh, God. Two or three. Uh, I'd like to know, uh, Sean slash dad, what insult of mine did you end up thinking about later? I'm way too proud of that. I can't. And I read that and I couldn't remember what it was specifically. Um <laughs> Next bullet point. You guys are right. I did forget to include my chapter title. It was called A Hell of a Lot of Firsts. <laughs> but I'm interested to know what you, what the other listeners think. Uh, this is feedback to another listener. Yeah. Uh, to John but Cutting. Well deserved. Yeah. To John Cutting, thank you so much. Sean, email me the Time Daughter poster, and it is amazing. I'm going to post it on our Instagram today. So. You have to. Yeah, totally. Look at you. Yeah. Uh, and lastly, holy shit, Sean, you got your description of me terrifyingly spot on. I actually huh. own Chuck Taylors, though I must say I'm I, more of an Iron Maiden kind of foul mouth bitch. No! <laughs> though, I do, though I do love Metallica. Nice. Uh, that's all for now, but I will be back uh, to both give you the next chapter of our story and to tear my father's asshole again. <laughs> love, Ellie. P.S. How is Eric doing? Eric is actually doing very well. Yeah. Yay! Uh, he's on the mend from a foot injury, unfortunately. Uh, he kind of tore some ligaments in his foot tripping uh, while he was volunteering at Lick Observatory. But he's on the mend. He will be up and running pretty much within like a day or two. And just in time for him to be a groomsman at the ceremony. Groomsman. Groomsman. Yeah, he's doing the dad thing. Doing the dad thing, exactly. Still working full time, all that stuff. Who would like to read the next message? I got dibs. All right. This is from Tom. Tommy! Tommy! This is from uh, Tom. Subject is VCR. I just wanted to tell you I love your podcast and keep up the great work. Thanks, Tom. I'm a lot older than you guys, but your banter resonates well with an 80s nerd. In your latest podcast, you're talking about childhood animated movies, and the one my daughter, who's 26, watched over and over was The Brave Little Toaster. Yes. <laughs> nice. That shit got I, dark, too. Yeah. Fuck. I had to pass this on because she made me burn it from VCR to DVD Aww. for her when she came home recently, and it reminded uh, me of you guys straight away. Thanks again for a great podcast. Tom, ugh, Dad of the Year Award goes to you, my friend. Besides yeah, Eric, be. I think you might be... You know, getting Eric on that one. Um, Brave Little Toaster is definitely a staple in my VCR collection. Totally. And mm-hmm. it's it's a classic. So thank yeah. you for reminding us. Yeah. The air conditioning was terrifying. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, my God. What God. the hell? Um, we got more bad movie mashups, everybody. Here we go. Oh, is this from the one from John Cutting? John Y'all Cutting. ready for this? Uh, these are, uh, we have only a couple of them. He, he notes in this that this is, that this is a little different of an email. Yes, he does. He says, uh... Oh, do you want to do it, Gina? Uh, you can if you want. That's okay. fine. 
Hi, nerds. Good work as always. I'm planning on taking a break from sending in movie mashups. It's been a fun couple of months, and as much as I want to send in new ideas, like The Demolition Man, who wasn't there, Dallas Buyers Fight Club. Oh, God. <laughs> and No Country for Old Yeller. Oh, oh God. That's so morbid. I may, I'm afraid the, pre the premise may become stale if we keep doing that, doing that well. So I'm happy to provide some ideas in the future, but let's take a break from it for now. <laughs> you know what? That's fair. Yeah, we don't want to ruin it. Don't want to overstay its welcome. Uh, I do have a little more serious topic for discussion. Movies use a lot of visual shorthands to quickly communicate a point, but these shorthands don't exist in the real world. This causes a lot of subtle problems in the real world because movies, for better or for worse, are how most of us inform our lives outside of our actual experiences. For example, uh, if I ask you to imagine Moscow right now, you are probably going to think of the onion-domed cathedral covered in snow, which is St. Basil's Cathedral in <laughs> Moscow. Uh, <laughs> Moscow is snowy, but it isn't that snowy. In fact, it can get quite hot. Mm. Uh, the average annual temperature in Moscow uh, in 2015 was 47 degrees while... Mex uh, while um, Celsius. Celsius, yes. Uh, while San Francisco, for comparison, was 57 degrees. Celsius. Celsius, And again. comparatively, that's almost like 100 degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty hot. Uh, meanwhile, the average actual temperature in Ulaanbaatar, uh, Mongolia, is 31 degrees. Again, Celsius. Uh, the point is, movies fill in the gaps a lot of us have about the world, and this can lead to a lot of misunderstandings that is hard for people to put out of their minds. Some of these shorthands can lead to real problems, while others are simply fun, funny to think about. Here are a few examples. Scene. The main character is trying to unravel a web of lies, corruption, and conspiracy that involves petty criminals, politicians, and mafia dons. To figure out all the connections, pictures are placed on the wall with red strings showing the connections between the various parties. People that are killed have giant red X's marked over their faces. Reality. This may be the most efficient way to track these web of relationships possible. The court board... Yeah, sorry. Uh, the corkboard with photos only serves to inform the audience and provides no practical detail for the character. It does raise some concerns that I would like to see. Uh, I want, like, for example, I want to see Frank Castle in the middle of his investigation montage actually through doing the arts and crafts of standing in an aisle of Joanne's fabric deciding which string is most appropriate <laughs> for his revenge. <laughs> Wait, what? It's, and he's being humorous. He wants to see him in the middle of his investigation montage actually doing arts and crafts. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so good. Exactly. That's funny. Uh, compare prices, print and carefully cut out photos, get frustrated when he <laughs> makes a mistake and has to unspool a bunch of threads so that the map makes sense. Oh, that's <laughs> Again. funny. But I did some consulting work for a California agency that uh, were, uh, this is a typographical error here, um, that was doing a deep dive into the white-collar crime involving fake pensions, tax evasion, worker intimidation, perhaps even worse, etc. And uh, we had a team of forensic accountants and investigators unraveling the net, and everything that was tracked was uh, everything that was they were using was tracked on an Excel spreadsheet. This makes way more sense, and you can easily do regression analysis to find correct connections and correlations from gigabytes of data. Jeez. The uh, investigation leads actually went out of their way to restrict access to photos, names, and identifying features of people being investigated because they didn't want any subconscious biases to affect the decisions being made. That is true. However, it is not visually interesting to see somebody yeah. pointing and clicking in front of a computer screen just looking at lines and, and lines of data. So, fair point, but at the same time, visual medium, right? Does somebody else want to read the second scenario? Yeah. Uh, Gina, why don't you read the, oh, scene, okay. the second yeah. scene? This is a great let piece me, of feedback, John. We want to get all of this out. We need to get back to that one real quick. I was on the next one. Hold on. Oh, no, no worries. Um, 
Okay, two. Uh, main character's loved one has gone missing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Two, scene. The main character's loved one has gone missing. Despondent, they call the police and the 911 operator says that they can't file a missing person's report unless the person has been missing for 24 hours. The protagonist can't wait that long and is forced to strike out on their own to find justice. Reality, this is pure fabrication by movie writers in order to create a sense of drama. It's not true. In fact, police will release PSAs begging the public to report a missing person right away because it's harder to find the person after 24 hours. And then there's a link there to cite it. It makes sense in an odd kind of way for this to be true in movie logic because it creates drama and crisis that the protagonist has to resolve instead of handing over the search to a well-equipped, fully-staffed police force. Movies would be boring if the police believed John McCain and surrounded Nakatomi Plaza right away or if the Chicago PD actually searched for Kevin McAllister. Uh, McLean, not McCain. John McLean, not John McCain! It says McCain, sorry. He wrote McCain, but he meant John McLean. Oh, funny. I was thinking, like, wait, what? Yeah, John McCain's That's not great. Yes, yeah. John McClane. All right, yeah. third scenario. Our hero kills all the bad guys and dashes to an easily accessible time bomb. He agonizes over whether or not to cut one of the conveniently color-coded wires, or for a Shyamalan <laughs> twist, they all might be the same color. Fuck <laughs> you. <laughs> the timer approaches zero, and he is forced to choose. A quick snip, a pause, and the timer stops at one second. The bomb lays inert. Reality, this is a common trope complaint, so I'm not going to talk about the logistics of bomb diffusing. The correct answer is to destroy it with a smaller bomb or a shotgun. But I want to talk about the effect that time bombs, or more specifically, timer-activated explosives, are really impractical and are rarely used. Most bombers want some sort of control of the bomb because, one, making a bomb is difficult and dangerous, and two, a timer also guarantees that you'll end up exploding nothing of value. That's why most bomb makers use some sort of active trigger, a cell phone, a pressure plate, a button, because it offers control, reduces the risk the bomb will be discovered, and ensures that the target is actually struck. And it reduces the risk that the bomber will blow himself up because uh, time bombs are prone to early detonation. I understand this movie shorthand, a timer adds a sense of dramatic tension to any scene. But I also find this shorthand particularly insidious because pol- politicians will cite a proverbial time bomb to justify torture and all sorts of misdeeds. Any credible threat outside of unsophisticated lone man lunatics will forego a simple time bomb for something that they can control. Even in movie universes, time bombs don't make a lot of sense. The terrorist in the story usually uses a bomb as a form of leverage to make demands. What if their demands are actually met? It's going to be an awkward moment when they have to explain that they couldn't defuse the bomb in time because the main character already killed everyone on sight, and then there was traffic on the Bay Bridge and they couldn't make it back. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Too too true, I I feel like time bombs are kind of a relic because yeah. like they, they they made sense in a time when we didn't have remote control mm. devices, right. right definitely yeah well thank you so much for those those scenes John. yeah yeah really i have actually one more through. that i want to add on definitely. to that because he was talking about the police search which is the whole tracing a call yeah yeah because police can trace a call instantly no but There's, in movies it's always like oh first you have five to, seconds, you have to you keep to them on for yeah to build a trace and that's bullshit. not true like they've been able to trace them instantly since the beginning of phone call tracing yeah basically <laughs> John has another part to the uh, VCR feedback. Oh, yeah. Yes, indeed. <clears throat> I'll bring it home for this one. Uh, my contribution to Break Out the VCR. A goofy movie. Oh, mm. yes. You this gotta a- stand yeah. up for <laughs> the crowd. Uh, Roxy singing some power line for us. Yeah, he continues. This is a great little gem. Uh, the fact that Goofy works as well as a character in a musical is a cinematic achievement in and of itself. Gosh. <laughs> Gosh. 
Uh, a goofy movie does a great job of capturing the tricky nuances of a father-son relationship where the son simultaneously loves and is embarrassed. Such is my life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as a kid, I connected with Max's frustrations of growing from an adolescent into a young adult who wants to uh, have more control over his future and the decisions that are made for him. Roxanne, please don't forget me. I will return one day. <laughs> as an adult, I have found myself thinking about this movie from Goofy's point of view. My wife and I are having a baby later this year. Ooh, congratulations. congratulations! Congratulations, John Cutting! Congrats! And uh, speaking as John, as I understand it, uh, that's one of the perks of being a parent. Just like a Goofy movie, uh, I'll also try and will fail to recreate the childhood experiences that my parents shared with me that left a positive impression. On the open road. <laughs> a Goofy movie captures this uh, push-pull aspect of familial relationships and how to find common ground and mutual respect. Mm. Cheers, John Cutting. P.S. I see that you didn't share the Time Daughter poster I sent you. Please ensure that Ellie Lee gets a copy, and Don't she did. Don't worry, guys. I will yeah. post it on the Instagram. I am so sorry for the lack of Instagram. I thought it's I, on it the Facebook. Facebook. Yeah, I thought I was going to say, I thought we'd posted it on the Facebook. I think Sean posted it on the Facebook. Sean posted it. Uh, okay. I did. Yeah. Our, our Instagram has gone dark for a minute since the new year, and I apologize for that, but I will get back into That's it. That's okay. Yeah. Um, um, we, hey. have a no, we have a couple here from Hillary and uh, Lewis from Scotland. Do we want to save those? Oh, Lewis from Scotland. That one was long. That was like Hillary, long. Hillary and Lewis's are a little bit long. So do we want to do them now or do we want to save them for next time we're Let's together? Let's save them for the next. So we uh, have something. Yeah. Yeah. So we do have two more pieces of feedback from Hillary and from our uh, a new listener who hasn't written in a while, uh, Lewis. Um, but they're on the longer side. So we're going to go ahead and save them for the next episode. Yes. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Keep you know sending what, guys? it in, though. Yeah. Oh, my God. We love, we love having a full mailbag. So please, please keep yes, sending please. that in. Yeah, and also let us know if you like the Margarita Mailbag concept because I'm, I'm totally okay with, like, saving feedback and then doing them in one big batch yeah. for an episode. That was also wicked fun, too. Yeah. So I loved it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. Uh, but you know what, guys? They'll only way we can do that is if you give us feedback and the way you can do that is to go to nerdonomy.com and click on that talk to us link which will send us an email to all of our inboxes and while you're there by the way you could do a couple things you could buy a t-shirt on our merch page uh, to help support us or you can also just give us a straight up donation which helps keep the podcast running Mm -hmm. most importantly though what you can do is spread the word of nerd like a bird turd follow us exactly follow us on instagram Facebook and Twitter and don't just follow share retweet all the things mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. tell your friends and family clergymen mm. elected officials school teachers uh, <laughs> grocery store clerk mm-hmm. uh, neighborhood know, stalker your uber driver like <laughs> friends you're road tripping with this summer mm-hmm. exactly Ooh, not your uber driver your lyft driver your lyft mm-hmm. driver yes because yeah. uber's yes. expensive now uber sucks yeah mm-hmm. uh Guys, so by the way, it's I kind of like that Vanessa's been on the last two episodes in a row. Yeah, that's pretty fun. fun Little surprise. Brian, next time we're together, you'll be a married man. That's so cute. That's crazy talk. So cool. Oh my god. I cannot believe it. It's amazing. Oh, I want to make a small toast to Brian and Vanessa. Everyone, raise your glasses. Raise your empty glasses. A toast (laughs) to Brian and Vanessa. Many happy returns. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. 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 Yay. Digital cheers. Mm, That one drop of Moscato that was left. So Uh, good. Cool. 
Well, guys, uh, it is that time. So until we meet again, stay nerdy and tune into our next exciting episode. Same nerd time, same nerd channel. Nerdonomy.com. Bye. 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 Later. And roll credits.